We have a high rate of divorce, so my marriage may suffer from my schedule. What jobs are absolutely necessary but still ruin people's lives? Defense attorneys. Defending presumably guilty parties would be difficult. But you're not really defending the client as you are defending the judicial system. If nobody defended obviously guilty people, then the police and prosecutors and judges would be more willing to cut corners in those cases, which would lead to cutting corners in other cases. When everyone, even the most vile of all criminals, is guaranteed competent legal defense, we can be certain that our judicial system is as fair as it's ever going to be. Debt collectors. I know they can be some of the scummiest phone calls you can get, but sometimes people just won't pay. If everyone paid their debts back properly debt collectors would be out of work. It is not only credit agencies, they forget about personal loans or co-signing leases or loans to help friends and family. Still helping a friend deal with her relative who she loaned out money to supposedly claiming it was an emergency and even asked her to ask friends for money which she did, and never paid her back. This is despite over half a dozen different due dates that the debtor promised to pay back in full and another half a dozen dates stating partial payment. People can be a-holes to those that help them out of the kindness of their hearts. To other people out there, don't lend money out or co-sign for people, that's when friendships and family ties end. Help them find ways to help themselves but the last thing you do is lend them money direct and expect anything back. It's the fastest way to destroy any trust you have in them. I hate to say it, but 911 dispatchers. I did the job for 9.5 years before transitioning to a different role. It changes you. It changes everyone and not for the better. Every day you take call after call hearing horrible things, unbelievable things, stupid things and even funny things, but it's constant. For 12 hours call after call after call. Someone working phones at our agency can expect to answer anywhere from 150 to 200 calls in a 12-hour shift. You don't get time to process things because the phones just keep on ringing and they have to be answered because those are people on the other end and were their only lifeline. I've taken calls where someone found their husband dead from a self-inflicted gunshot wound then hung up and immediately taken a call from someone wanting to complain because their neighbors got grass clippings on their lawn while doing lawn work and want us to ticket them. You learn to just shut it off. You learn to stop feeling, you learn that humanity is horrible. Every agency I know of is understaffed, overworked and underappreciated. When things go wrong we're the first ones to get thrown under the bus by the police or fire departments since we're often viewed as expendable. All of these things lead to the development of an unhealthy worldview. You can be the most optimistic happy-go-lucky person in the world when you start, and by the end you'll find yourself bitter, cynical, and expecting the worst out of everyone. That being said most people don't do the job because of the money or respect, we do it because we genuinely want to help, and be there for people even if we grumble about half of them the second the phone is hung up. Mechanics. This job will kill your back. Sure you get to retire in 15 to 20 years, but that's after 40 plus hour weeks and numerous back problems. That's if you're lucky enough to not get hurt on the job or injure your back badly enough that you can get disability or workers compensation. Mechanic or auto repair is an incredibly hazardous job at times and in many instances safety precautions are sacrificed due to the lack of proper tools, training, and the need to be efficient since many mechanics get paid flat rate based on how much they get done. Also many incredibly toxic fumes and substances that they work with on a daily basis and many repair shops are old, in poor repair, and don't have proper ventilation. Certified nursing assistant at a nursing home. They get paid terribly to do the most vital work at a nursing home. They take care of your loved ones. Clean them up from urine and poop, pick them up to transfer them. 
They do legitimately backbreaking work and get no praise or compensation. They are the people giving the most intimate care to your parents or grandparents, but get no recognition. Industrial plumbers and sanitation engineers. I do residential plumbing repairs. It's nowhere near as bad as the industrial level, at least as far as I've heard. It still sucks. You get nasty stuff on you, often. Literal poop water. You get exposed to and have to work with chemicals that aren't good for you, but they're gonna get on you. You have to go in the places no one wants to go. The worst crawl spaces, attics, etc. Think of an awful dirt crawl space so small you have to literally drag yourself around on your belly. Under an old house that's falling apart and in serious need of countless repairs. In an awful neighborhood where you worry for your safety. Now picture all that, but the crawl space has been flooded with sewer water. Imagine being in there for hours. You have to be around mold, asbestos, all that fun kind of stuff sometimes. Also, this job wrecks your back and your knees. My family has been in this line of work for a long time, and knows a lot of the owners of other plumbing businesses, as do I. I do not know a single person who's done this, myself included, for 10 years or more whose back isn't messed up. Funeral directors. They charge families crazy amounts and guilt them into spending more money. Even basic services they offer are expensive. Funeral plots are expensive to maintain, cremation has a lot of overhead cost. And even natural burial can be expensive. Most people need funeral homes to navigate the treatment or burial of the body though. Working in the highways department. These people are often one of the first to RCT and have to deal with the cleanup. Had a friend who does this job, once told me how one accident inside a tunnel on a motorway. He had to hose off the remains of the driver from the tunnel walls and floor, nothing left of the driver but his feet after a head-on collision with an arctic truck, both doing around 70 miles per hour. ER doctor. You do shift work with hours that are constantly changing so your sleep is permanently messed up. You're going to be working holidays, birthdays, your kids recital, etc. for the entirety of your career. You watch people die. You watch children die. You can be in the middle of a legitimate emergency, like a heart attack, and also have to deal with a Karen complaining about a headache, who didn't bother to try Tylenol before coming in, and someone seeking pills at the same time. Then, the Karen makes a formal complaint that she wasn't seen fast enough and your ER group gives you crap for it, even though you were literally dealing with a life or death moment in the other room. You can't always leave your work at work, and the things you see will haunt you, like having to perform a snatch kit on a child, or a chlamydia-infected colostomy bag hole. You will have to tell someone's husband, wife, parent or child that their loved one has died. You will lay awake at night questioning whether or not you made the right choices in a patient's care and those questions will also haunt you. Your family will not see you often because your schedule will almost always conflict with theirs. ER doctors have a high rate of divorce, so your marriage may suffer from your schedule. Even outside the current COVID pandemic, you will be put at risk for infectious diseases, assault, and lawsuits while at work. You'll serve as the first point of contact for people with severe mental illnesses who are a danger to themselves and others and who will fight you on everything you try to do to help them. Your own mental health will suffer. Emergency medicine is an absolutely necessary, but horrific profession. Police detectives age much, much faster than others. I work special victims which includes any and all unlawful sexual intercourse, 90% of which are child victims. The most stressful part is building a case strong enough to convince our own persecutor's office to take. I'm convinced juries are sometimes easier to convince than prosecution. I have learned that prosecution is a numbers game. 
Prosecutors will only take a slam dunk case at least in my jurisdiction. This leads to even more stress and mental trauma in the victims. I worked as an embalmer years ago. I thought it was what I wanted to do for my career. After a couple years, I couldn't handle it. I still have nightmares. My job was not just embalming, but doing removals. Where I am, if someone is pronounced dead on the scene, you remove them from that scene. I've taken 17-year-olds out of rooms where they've hung themselves, a 28-year-old mother from her home where she passed from cancer while her children waited outside, and bodies from a river after auto-destruction. I've embalmed 12-year-olds and once prepared the remains of a toddler for the family. I'm still really proud of the work I did. I still have nightmares. It's entirely necessary work, even thought it destroys some people. I've offered to go back to it should my community be hit with COVID and our local funeral homes need assistance in a worst case scenario. Not because I want to go back to the work, but because I think the delicate task of caring for others deceased loved ones is immensely important. Shipyard sandblasting, nowadays known as abrasive blasting because the silica sand has largely been replaced by other materials. The Occupational Safety and Health Administration of the United States Department of Labor says. Potential exposure to dust and air contaminants is the primary health hazard associated with abrasive blasting. Abrasive blasting can generate large quantities of dust that can contain high levels of toxic air contaminants. The source of the air contaminants includes the base material being blasted, the surface coatings being removed, the abrasive being used, and any abrasive contamination from previous blasting operations. This means that employees can have exposures to multiple air contaminants from both the abrasive and the surface being blasted. It can be quite hazardous, even for those who come close to the minute amounts of particles found in clothes or hair of the workers. There is more on the subject out there for those interested. Tech support, customer service and basically everything done in a call center. Why it's necessary? Because society are a bunch of lazy dumb idiots that need to call in for whatever they need done, instead of using, most of the time, readily available self-help options, as reading something for 5 minutes is hell. Waiting on hold for one hour is manageable. Why it ruins people's lives, unless you have a very specific mental profile, as in, if you're used to being bullied, beaten down, looked down by society and have a very strong submissive personality. And doesn't mind verbal abuse, humiliation and utter degradation of self and your self-esteem, or you're in a center whose policies allow you to not take crap, of any kind from anybody, very few do, it won't work for too long and you'll be out of a job, but the mental damage, just like diamonds, last forever. I'm a social worker. The burnout rate is so high for a reason, some of the things you hear and see are absolutely messed up. I'm not a particularly emotional person and sometimes even I hear things and I just cry in my office because it's just that messed up. Social workers themselves are capable of incredible harm to clients and you see clients with outcomes from other agencies which have absolutely ruined them, done for a good reason sometimes, sometimes not. For example, I've seen domestic violence survivors who've lost their children because child protection has told them if they don't leave their abusive partner they'll lose their kids, which conflicts safety advice from specialist DV services. The most dangerous time is immediately post-separation so that isn't necessarily a safe outcome for that person or their children, but the children are child protection's client and therefore every decision is made for their immediate safety, even if it doesn't mean that in the long run. It's hard because both options suck and someone has to make a call as to what action to take one way or the other. You can see the reasoning behind someone's decision re the children, but then you're working with the mother and it makes you hate the person who made that call, even though you know they were just doing their job and trying to keep those kids safe. 
I've seen some truly awful social workers do some unethical things and mess up clients' lives that way, particularly when people let their personal beliefs and values come into their work. We're taught to be as objective as possible and to operate ethically, reflecting on how that might compromise professional values, but at the core of the regulatory body in my country is the value of professional integrity. We're taught not to let personal feelings affect outcomes for clients, but sadly it still happens. I've seen some really well-meaning social workers do something inadvertently to mess things up. It's honestly a really hard job and a lot of the time people will see you as the enemy, because social services has made their life horrible in the past, and that might be true or it might be an assumption they've made based on other things. But it's hard because you're aware that you do have the potential to completely ruin things up for them. It's a lot of pressure, and sometimes you do make what you think is the right choice and it's not. The power social workers have and how that can create dynamics with clients that aren't desirable is such a thing. I was really lucky in my education to have had teachers who were so aware of this and taught us to be aware of it, but there are plenty of people who haven't had that.